When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Horseshoe for the Monday after Ohio State 49, Rutgers 10, a blowout victory for Ohio State, Ryan Day and company, uh, with a little bit of that twist at the end there, Tim. I think we won't get into that too much, but uh, that's the 40-year vet, Tim May. You all know him by now. Uh, I'm Spencer Holbrook, the 40-year uh, not really vet, but, you know, a yeah. guy. Plebe, uh, yeah. journeyman. Sure, plebe is, is a good word, Tim. Uh, but let's talk about it, Tim. Let's, talk, let's take a final look, a closer look at Ohio State 49, Rutgers 10, before we jump ship and go to East Lansing and uh, get on with the first road trip of the season, shall we? Yeah. Uh, one thing brought up on uh, Channel 10 the other night, uh, on Sunday night, and I'll reiterate because I talked about this on, on, our pod, on our podcast many times, uh, there's a good chance C.J. Stroud is going to have fewer yards, like passing, uh, maybe fewer touchdowns. We'll see how it goes. And be a better quarterback this year than he was a year ago. Yes. Uh, when he set the world on fire, especially uh, in several games. And I think that was on full display on Saturday night because this is not a one-dimensional team this year. I'm talking about Ohio State. They were going against a Rutgers defense, which was bound and determined to stop the run. Okay, that's where they set, cut their teeth. It's bound and determined to stop the run, keep everything in front of them in the secondary. And lo and behold, Mayan Williams gets the start, just his third career start, first this year, uh, basically starting in place of Trevion Henderson, although I have contended for a while now, Mayan Williams, in my opinion, has been the number one back just from the, from the availability standpoint. And uh, he runs for 191. Ohio State runs for more than 250 against a defense that was only giving up 55-yard average per game rushing. Now, you can say, yeah, but that look at the, who they played. Yes, I, I keep that in mind. But anytime you're holding uh, teams in that realm, no matter who you're playing rushing from a rushing standpoint, you're doing a hell of a job. And Ohio State just kept, and I'm going to use a Greg Schiano term here, kept chopping. <laughs> they just kept chopping. And who were they chopping with? Pork chop. And uh, next thing you know, pork chop uh, or chop. Uh, Mayan Williams used to be pork chop. Now he's chop because he's leaned out a little bit. Uh, he's got 191 yards rushing, five touchdowns, uh, record tying five touchdowns, tying Keith Byers and Pete Johnson, uh, two superstars from Ohio State of old. Matter of fact, I've got Pete Johnson, or excuse me, uh, Keith Byers on my podcast this week talking about that very thing, but just talking about Mayan Williams and what stands out about him in this rushing offense. But that's what jumped out at me because this is not a year ago. Uh, uh, Ryan Day was bound to determine that this running game would become more physical and more accountable no matter what the circumstances were. Brings in Justin Fry, in my opinion, probably a much overlooked fix there for, to run the offensive line, and it is paying dividends. Yeah, and, and Tim, you know, you talk about 
two things that dominated the storylines in this game were the running game and the defense. Ohio State had 189 yards on the ground for Mayan Williams, I think was the final tally, and the five touchdowns, and Rutgers had 187 total yards. And yeah. so, you know, you look at those two things, and I asked Ryan Day about that, you know, this was not that this team's calling card a year ago, running the football, playing defense. It was score outscoring teams and hoping that they don't outscore you with a defense that was shaky at best. Yeah. And uh, you know, and that that counted not just for the blowout wins that Ohio, you know, the the losses Ohio State had, but also in those blowout wins. You know, this this team gave up big plays to everybody last year. And you know, even when they were blowing teams out, the, the defense had the holes, and you could tell that yeah, some things were getting fixed, but it still just didn't look right. No. Everything looks right at this moment uh, with this defense and with this running game. Um, I know that there are still some things where Ohio State has a couple negative plays here and there in this running game, but I think that's, you, you take the good with the bad, and uh, you know this, this offensive line is getting things figured out. I think there were uh, more negative plays in those first couple weeks uh, of the run game, even against Arkansas State, who doesn't have a great defense, even against Toledo, not a, a great defense, but a good front. There were some, some issues there in the running game. They were still trying to figure hey. things out. You're getting things ironed out now five games into this season in the run game. Without Trayvon Henderson, still, you're still able to establish the run game and lean on it with Mayan Williams when you don't have the best version of C.J. Stroud. Yeah. I think that counts for a lot when you look at spinning this forward. You're going to play some teams in the Big Ten. You know, It's going to be 50 degrees on Saturday against Michigan State. Those kind of games, maybe the passing game isn't going to be there. But, but now you can rely on a running game, which is something you couldn't do last year. You're going to have to run the ball in the Big Ten down this stretch, and uh, Ohio State seems to have the winning recipe to be able to do that. Yeah, I don't mind 50 degrees. I'm sure C.J. Stroud doesn't, as long as the wind's not blowing <clears throat> big time. He claimed the wind had nothing to do uh, with what went on on Saturday, late Saturday afternoon here in Ohio Stadium. It's kind of frigid, it's kind of cold in here right, right this morning though, isn't it? It feels uh, like football what weather. What time is it? Yeah, it's about 9.45. Yeah. But, but the bottom line is uh, you didn't need to run, you know, and, and I'm talking about C.J. Stroud and, uh, and his stats, you know, there were two or three chances for touch, more touchdown passes in that game. Yes. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. happens to step out of bounds on one that was a hell of a throw and a catch yes. uh, right on down the line. But the bottom line is, this is not a one-dimensional team by any stretch anymore. That's what I'm getting to. You know, and occasionally, as, it, as the old saying goes, the other team practices too, they're going to shoot a gap occasionally. Yep. They're going to get into your backfield. That That's going to happen. And uh, and uh, like I said, Rutgers hung its hat on its, on its defense. It's offense, you know, still very much a year or two away from uh, unless they just get a four or five just big time uh, superstars walk in through the transfer portal. That offense is is a, is a ways away from being able to contend on the upper level of the Big Ten. Uh, so that's kind of what what this team faced on Saturday. They took care of business, in my opinion, on both sides of the ball. Both of uh, Rutgers' scores were set up by turnovers, mm -hmm. uh, uh, basically on the short. They got the short end of the field or a shorter way to go and converted one into a touchdown and, and one into a field goal. So uh, at the beginning of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Otherwise, I thought the Ohio State defense played extremely well on Saturday, had control of the game uh, for the most part from the from the get-go. I mean, the, the, the punt uh, that Emeka Ibuka couldn't handle, that was a, I think it was a three and out on the first series, wasn't yeah. it, for, yeah. for the Ohio State defense. So. Uh, it is what it is. They beat Rutgers the way they should have beaten Rutgers, and now they move on to Michigan State. Yeah. Is it the Michigan State, by the way? 
whatever you want to call them, I'll call them underwhelming right now. Doesn't Michigan, aren't they forced to call them the Michigan State until until they beat them a couple, three times? <laughs> well, they try to call them little brother. I don't know if that's working out that's so well talking about. for the folks in Ann Arbor, but we're going to focus on East Lansing here in just a few minutes. But before we move on from this offense, get to the defense and then to Michigan State, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, I don't think C.J. Stroud has been sacked since the Arkansas State game. If he was sacked in the Toledo game, it's because I don't remember it. And I think it was just once, if, if at all. He has been extremely clean in this season, and it's not talking about you know the way he's throwing the ball because there have been a little bit of, of there's been a little clunkiness to the passing attack in the Notre Dame game, a little bit in the Arkansas State game, but he still put up pretty good numbers there. Uh, the passing game, you know, even Ohio State was okay with admitting it. it was a little clunky at times, and but that's what Rutgers wanted to do was limit those big plays in the passing game. Uh, one of the biggest keys to winning a national championship, and that's what this team on this turf wants to do, is keeping the quarterback healthy and keeping the quarterback upright. And I, this is not, I'm not trying to jinx this at all, but when you look at Ohio State's offensive line, Paris Johnson has been incredible this year so far. Luke Whipler has been a stalwart in the, on the offensive line. He's been very, very good. Yeah. Possibly one of the best centers in the country. I'm not sure if I could find one better right now through five games. Uh, I think Dewan Jones is much improved. And then you talk about the two guards who, they don't. They get overlooked because they're not at the not sexy. They're, they, they're not at the sexy offensive line positions out out on the edges on the tackles, and you know they're just road graders in the running game. But they're doing a good job in the passing game too, and keeping C.J. Stroud clean in the pocket and allowing him to get comfortable back there is such a huge thing. And you look at those two losses. Oregon was able to disrupt C.J. Stroud a little bit last year, even though he threw for I think 484 yards in that game, and. You could tell there was something off. <coughs> Michigan was able to disrupt C.J. Stroud, in, and it turned into sacks with Aiden Hutchins and David Ajabo, the guys in the middle there. I don't think you're going to see that from opponents this year because Ohio State took care of its issues in the passing game on the offensive line, and they've limited C.J. Stroud's hits. Sometimes he gets hit when, hit when he rolls out. Sometimes he gets hit when he's a little more willing to run this year than he was last year and get out of the pocket. And yeah, he's had throws. to scramble quite a few times this year. I yeah. mean, it's not, you know, like... It uh, hasn't been perfect. Yeah, it's not like he's sitting in the lobby of a hotel. But, but you're exactly right. But he right. has stayed relatively clean, and yeah. that results in no sacks. And that's a huge deal for Ohio State, and I think you're going to see that continue. I think they've got a pretty decent challenge this week with Jacoby Winman, but he's a good defensive end from, from Michigan State, the transfer. But yep. they, they are doing a good job of keeping him clean, and I think they deserve credit for that. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing else to add to that. I've already talked about Justin Fry and what he meant to the path, to the running game. I'm talking about their new offensive line coach, and you're exactly right. I mean, they're they're playing like a glove. I mean, those five guys up front, and uh, I mean, that just showed you what they thought about things when in the Wisconsin game, Wisconsin was gonna, they figured was gonna get after them physically up front from a defensive standpoint. What do they do? They go with five men down. I'm talking about Ohio State put Cade Stover, the tight end, out on the edge, out in the slot, uh, all kinds of different places, and just said, okay, we're going we're gonna to throw five receivers at you. Stop this. Yep. Before, before you can get to the quarterback, he's going to release the ball to somebody who's wide open, and that's exactly what happened. By the way, talk about Dink. Uh, Paul Christ got fired over the weekend, the Wisconsin head football coach, and uh, they named Jim Leonard their defensive coordinator, I guess, as the interim head coach. And I'm going, boy, Wisconsin was really lacking things offensively, but on defense, they were really bad against Ohio State. So I'm not sure where that program is headed, but it's not, <clears throat> the Barry Alvarez era is clearly over at, at Wisconsin. They're starting anew. Couldn't defend the pass against Ohio State, couldn't defend the run against 
uh, Illinois, and so you know that's and an Purdue, interesting. Purdue, they they uh, against Purdue, they rushed for two yards net. Illinois. Uh, that's what did I say? You said Purdue. Purdue. But that's yeah. okay. I'm thinking about Purdue beating Minnesota and uh, rowing the boat up in Minnesota. But uh, yeah, against Illinois, they rushed for two yards net against their former head coach Brett Bielema. No wonder Paul Chris got fired on Sunday. Well, that's one red team in the Big Ten. This is another red-ish team in the Big Ten, Scarlet. Uh, Ohio State defensively shut out or shut down the Wisconsin rushing attack for the most part. I think the stats are super skewed there. It, it, I'm sure it bothers Ohio State that Braylon Allen ended with 165 yards in that game because that was not a 165-yard performance. Yeah. Whether he had it on, <laughs> on one play. But. Yeah. Uh, against Late. The, against the twos, yeah. uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, then Ohio State comes out and dominates Rutgers, less than 200 total yards. I don't care if it's the worst team in the country offensively. Yeah. It's impressive to hold a Division One football team under 200 yards. It's even more impressive to hold a Big Ten team under 200 yards. This defense is getting things done shorthanded with a one hand tied behind its back. I guess one hand in a cast. If you talk about one of the main characters on this team. Um, no Cameron Brown, no Cameron Martinez, no problem for Ohio State. Uh, Tanner McAllister barely played because he got hurt in the first half. Uh, Tyler Williams went down with an injury. Tyler Friday didn't play. Uh, you saw a couple other guys maybe limited a little bit. I, I expected to see Lathan Ransom more, but, but he didn't play a whole lot in this game. He did get out there some. Maybe yeah. that's just a pitch count situation. Um, but it, it seems to not really matter to him who's hurt because they – they worked out the kinks with the depth last year and were, and took a lot of lumps with that depth last year. And now this year, you go into it with brand new depth, uh, a much deeper unit, a much more experienced unit. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways defensively, Tim, is you're seeing this defensive effort from last year pay off. They got all those guys' experience when they were all younger. Yeah. And now it's starting to pay off with guys in the middle, guys on the outsides. They got them all experience a year ago, and now you're seeing that those guys with a year under their belt, whether that be in practice or in games, it just looks like a better unit top to bottom. Jim Knowles is the first to tell you that he benefited greatly from guys inheriting a group that, yeah, was a little beaten up around the edges, but got experience last year. You know, and you can you can gain valuable experience even playing on a, on a defense that. Uh, uh, has a lot to be desired. That's exactly what he inherited, and he's flipped it around. It's one of the great turnaround jobs, in my opinion, thus far in college football, what he has done with this defense, much like Jeff Halfley did in 2019, inheriting that Greg Schiano, for one of another term, <laughs> defense. Uh, so bottom line is it, it, uh, I'm not surprised by what this defense has done. I'm not going to be surprised to see them get after Michigan State on Saturday up there. Michigan State is having trouble uh, Offensively and defensively, I think offensively they're numbered like 92 in the country, and defensively one, number 100 or tied for number 100 in the country in total offense, total defense. And those numbers, I may have those two numbers wrong, but they're really in close proximity, so it doesn't really matter. They're running into a team that's really lost its way uh, in the last three games after starting out kind of like uh, with their hair on fire. And you know, one of those losses was at Washington. That's a tough place to go, tough place to play. Anybody saw Washington play uh, UCLA this past weekend, saw them fight back with Michael Penix Jr., et cetera. He, Michael Penix Jr. was on fire when he played Michigan State. Uh, the guy used to be the quarterback at, uh, at Indiana, and, and I know Ohio State fans remember him from two years ago. But the bottom line is uh, uh, this test looked a lot, looked a lot stouter uh, a month and a half ago than it does now for Ohio State. I mean, here was Michigan State 
coming off a uh, an 11 win season and a and a CFP, you know, a major New Year's Six, whatever you call it, bowl victory over Pittsburgh, and uh, is struggling right now on both sides of the ball. Yeah, as we get a nice uh, Southwest Airlines jet flyover. 737 coming out of the sky. Coming into John Glenn International Airport here in Columbus. The Horseshoe is a busy place. The airspace over here, there's so many planes that go over this place. But Tim, you're right. Michigan State has kind of lost its way, and, and what's really lost its way is Mel Tucker's ability to get a defense together. Um, this team hung its hat on running the ball and, and playing decent defense last year, but the past defense a year ago was almost dead last in the country. It's, I think, 129th right now. The folks, there are 131 FBS programs. Um, they've got issues in that back end. And when you talk about what Ohio State can do to bad pass defenses, we saw it on the turf last year at Ohio Stadium. Ohio State demolished Michigan State because C.J. Stroud and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba had a field day. It almost looked like it was seven on seven and they were playing a bad seven on seven team. They, Michigan State's pass defense was bad. And you know, I hyperbolize, I, I hyperbolize yeah. quite often. Yes, you do. There is no hyperbole with this Michigan State pass defense, Tim. It is bad. Yeah, it it's is, bad. It's bad. And so. I'm not sitting here putting up an argument. I'm sitting here and, and quietly listening, not interrupting you. And, and Michigan State, the other thing that Michigan State's having I'll trouble doing that. right now is moving the ball on offense. They couldn't move the ball against Minnesota. They couldn't move the ball against Washington until the second half when Washington had that game secured. And they really couldn't move the ball on a Maryland team that I'm not really high on defensively. And so both sides of the ball for Ohio State, they've got a huge chance to make a road statement. This team has not gone on the road yet this year, Tim. Um, I think Michigan State, it, like you said, it looks stouter. Is that a word? Uh, it is now that Tim May used yeah, it. Stouter or more stout yeah. or Guinness stout. <laughs> whatever you want to call it, uh, this this looked like a test for Ohio State a few weeks ago. Now it looks like a, a business trip, a road trip. Um, that, so you, gotta, that yeah. you still have to take care of business, obviously, but against the number 129 pass defense and, a, and an offense that's struggling to move the ball on the ground, <coughs> I think this Ohio State team has a real opportunity to cash in on Michigan State being a little down and, uh, <laughs> you know, being able to take the momentum from the five-game homestand, being 5-0, and oh, take it up to East Lansing and come back to Columbus with a win. On my podcast this week, I've got Jack Ebling, who's been covering Michigan State sports basically for 50 years. And we talk about this big flip around for Michigan State, and there are reasons for it. They've got major injuries on the defensive side of the ball, five starters <clears throat> missing, you know, and, uh, and they don't have the depth, as he points out. Ohio State started and played the whole Wisconsin game without his two number one cornerbacks. Uh, the week before that, they started and played, uh, uh, was it Toledo? Was that where Proctor and uh, McAllister. Tanner McAllister both missed? Yep. Without two of, their, two of their three starting safeties, but they've got guys in the wings to come along. Uh, Michigan State has not rebuilt itself in that regard. I mean, they've had some challenges. Uh, Peyton Thorne has not played very well at quarterback, uh, but you know he's been missing one of his number number one of his primary weapons for most of this year. The kid came back last week, played pretty well. But uh, for example, and then the other thing that was forgotten about this, and and Ryan Day has brought this up a few times, uh, which is interesting too. Last year when Ohio State blew out Michigan State, what else did it do? It limited uh, Kenneth Walker Jr. The third. Yeah, the third. Excuse me. His dad was watching. I hope uh, Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, you know to maybe his worst game of the year, at least in a, in a, in a, in a big-time game, and uh, took care of business as they – that's why it looked like there was a little bit of hope for this defense 
near the end of the year last year. They was going to get his act together, but it didn't get his act together uh, well enough for uh, Ryan Day, and he cleaned house with the exception of Larry Johnson in the coaching staff. And uh, and now you're talking about a totally you're talking about Ohio, you're talking about Michigan State being different compared to this time a year ago. So is Ohio State. Yes. In a good way for Ohio State defensively. I expect Ohio State to get after these guys. But we're going to talk about that as this uh, week unfolds. Yeah, as this week unfolds, Tim, we'll be back inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday for a Ryan Day press conference. I think we'll talk to a couple, uh, either an assistant coach or a couple players. Uh, yeah, I think we... we're going to get to talk to uh, Jim Knowles, a coordinator, G defensive coordinator, and uh, Tony Alford, the running backs coach. Uh, Tony Alford, the running backs coach. Why would we be getting to talk to him? That's because Mayan Williams is running the ball really well. Exactly. We'll, we'll have full coverage of that. And by the way, Mayan Williams was his, a lot of people weren't really, I think in the recruiting realm, weren't really sold on Ohio State getting Mayan Williams a couple of years ago. Uh, it's kind of like a last, yeah. uh, kind of a throw in into that class. Tony Alford has steadfastly stood by the decision for them to recruit him. And now I think most people know why. Well, the headliners of that class were interesting with Kendall Milton, who's now at Georgia, B. John Robinson, who's now at, at Texas and, and, you know, is one of the best backs in the country. And then, you know, Ohio State got Mayan Williams, and a lot of people thought that that was settling for Mayan Williams. But in reality, it was taking Mayan Williams because he was good. Yes. And, you know, Ohio State doesn't settle for guys really uh, generally in recruiting. Tony Alford especially, he's one of the best recruiters in America. Um, kudos to him for getting Mayan Williams to the level that he is, and kudos to Mayan Williams for working his tail off. I think this was. I think Mayan Williams got a lot of natural going on yeah. there too, man. Uh, I think this is one of the, the hardest working guys from the offseason, Mayan Williams. And you see that play out on the sideline before every game. He's doing extra ladders before he goes in and gets ready after yeah. warm-ups. Um, this is a guy who's, who's on a mission right now. This Ohio State team seems to be on a mission. We'll have full coverage of this Ohio State team, Tim. Uh, why don't we do that uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and throughout the week leading up to Ohio State at Michigan State at 4.30, or at 4 o'clock, excuse me, uh, in Spartan Stadium up in East Lansing. Uh, Tuesday, Ryan Day press conference. We'll have a practice report presented by Byers Auto uh, there. Wednesday night, we'll have full coverage of, of the Buckeyes as players take the podium, uh, and then a, a practice report presented by Byers Auto there. Thursday we'll have something you know or another for for the folks and then Friday of course bold predictions leading into that trip uh, we'll hit the road for that one excuse me and we'll have full coverage of it all week long and all year long on lettermanroad.com that's the 40-year vet Tim May I am simply Spencer Holbrook thanks for watching thanks for listening we will see you guys back in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday